everyone. Welcome back to The Core. This is Sammy over here, and today it's just going to be me. So you're not going to be hearing Blossom, Awe, and Sarah's magical voices. Today we have Jara calling in from Brooklyn, New York. We got a time difference among us, me and Seattle. She is in the East Coast, New York City. And today, you know, since we're a platform all about exploring, redefining excellence for people in our generation, we're going to have some time where she explains to us her journey on how everything goes. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, guys. As you now know, my name is Jara. I live in Brooklyn right now, but I'm from Harlem, New York. I grew up in Harlem, but I also lived in Dakar, Senegal for like five years during my childhood. Then I came back here. Um, around six, five or six to go to start elementary school here. And I grew up predominantly, well, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood in Harlem and one on 116th street. And it's basically called little Senegal over there. Cause it's all Senegalese people basically on one side of the block. And then on the other side where my family lived in the building, we had a bunch of African-American families and Hispanic families. So that was a very cute community to grow up in. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I just want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Yasin Yam. She's the reason why we got connected yes. when I did a study about Pokemon Return to Senegal. Um, but Jara, can you share with us you know, what home was like in all the communities that you're a part of, right? Little Senegal, maybe academic life when you were young, undergrad, and any values when it comes to excellence or the definitions of excellence and what that meant to you. Right. So I actually struggle with, like, defining what home is for me because I can't tell you mm. whether it feels like Harlem is my home or Dakar is my home. I just know that every time I go back to Senegal, I feel like I belong there more than I feel like I belong in New York. But the, all the communities I was a part of, I basically kind of grew up in a bubble, really. I lived in Harlem, and although like all my friends were like black, I went to Saturday and Sunday Quran classes, which took up like so much of my time. Like I went from 11 to 3 p.m., and basically we just spent hours like immersed in the Quran and learning about the Quran. And I just had so many, I had like Muslim associates, but my friends were mainly the people I went to school with. But it was so difficult because I was like, like two, one of like two um, other African kids in my elementary school. Everybody else was black or Hispanic. So that was really interesting, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, honestly, I was just part of the Senegalese Muslim community and okay. um, my school community growing up. Gotcha. And there's any, were there any notions, you know, of like a very strong work ethic and that what it means to be excellence? I know in stereotypical African circles, we talked about it on our podcast, um, you know, the three jobs or professions we're allowed to have, being a lawyer, a doctor, or an engineer. Any sentiments or you know, phrases like that. Yes, of course. You. So like, um, my dad's a taxi driver and my mom like grew up like braiding mm -hmm. hair Same. or like, yeah, braiding hair or doing restaurants. You know, the typical immigrant jobs, you can't really get many jobs in many American city cities, to be honest. But um, I just remember my growing up, my dad was always like, if I could have any job in the world, like I'd be a doctor. And I can't remember what my mom said she would be, but like 
the professions that were forced upon my siblings and I were, of course, doctor, lawyer, um, even a teacher was cool, but it was just like highly professional jobs that like all other, that you hear all other like African um, first generation kids um, say that their parents wanted us to do, you know? So that was really, that was shoved down my throat my whole entire life. And like, my parents were always like, school is the most important thing in the world. Like, that that's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Because my dad, um, he actually had, had a very minimal education. He like did elementary school and then was working on a farm and then was doing hard labor for like his life. And my mom almost finished high school, but then got married. So like, there's really no, there's really very low education levels in my family. So they just, their goal was for us to go to college. And that's all my parents wanted. And even though I graduated college and I was like the first one in my family, like now my mom, my dad's like, get another degree. <laughs> so they're just like, they're just pushing for more and more. Mm. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, college is not the only goal that we're going to have to achieve as to satisfy other people. Um, but I would like to hear, you know, now that we're starting our adult lives, we're out of school, we're out of the institution. Mm -hmm. What other parts of excellence do you have for yourself? Is it about, you know, just happiness and making that the goal? Is it about taking care of yourself? What does that look like for you now as a growing adult? For me personally, excellence definitely looks like happiness and it looks like achieving the goals that I have set for myself. So I don't really have a five-year plan or anything like that. Like it's a bit jumbled in my head. I have certain things that I would like to accomplish and like that's like write a book maybe produce um, a film, things like that. Like achieving that is, would, would be success to me. You know, that's all I want. And getting a better like mental health state. That's all I care about. I don't, I don't, I don't really have any like career goals anymore. I feel like my life has just changed so dramatically that I just, those things don't interest me. And I'm still trying to like talk to my parents about that because like, I feel like it's so hard to have like your well I'm not their oldest child but I'm I'm basically the oldest child in America so I was the one who like was the first to graduate college and things like that so like they had this vision in their head of like what I should have done or what I should do and it's just so far from like the path that I've actually taken but like I'm I'm happy now so mm. have you ever you know, successfully articulated that vision for yourself and, you know, maybe work to combine what they have for you? Do you have any um, any fights and arguments about that? I know that's happening to me, happening to other people. I feel, I feel like my mom completely understands where I'm at now because she sees, like, she sees that I'm a hard worker and that hasn't changed, but she sees that my goals are very different from what was in her head. And she also sees that like society is changing every day and you can success means a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Like, um, but my dad, on the other hand, like he's he, every few months, he's like, go back to school. And I, yeah. Every few months he's like, go back to school. Like you need a, you need a degree, you need a degree to get a better job. And I'm like, I just want you to understand that that's not happening. So that's kind of where it ends for me. Um, hope, maybe that dream will carry on through my siblings 
But me personally, I feel like I've, me, myself, and I, I've made it very clear that that's not my path, and they just have to understand that, so. Okay. Yeah, we're all working through that. And I know when you mentioned your path that you're also a writer, and you've decided to share, you know, your thoughts and reflections online through your blog. Let me drop it right now. MDK says, <laughs> real quick. Thank you. Write it, go through it. <laughs> um, as well as you also merge it on your Instagram, right? So when we talk about social media and personas, a lot of people like to be, you know, very attractive, very boom on Instagram and then right. separate anything else about them. You like to put them together. Um, I don't want to ask, you know, not only that, but what has writing done for you? And in turn, what do you feel you are doing while you are writing? To be honest, like every time people meet me and then they like find out I'm a writer, they, they always like give me this comment where it's like, wow, like your writing is so different from what I've like imagined you to be or like something I've heard so frequently is people would be like, wow, your writing is like the most, it seems to be like the most raw version of yourself. And I'm not going to lie. It honestly like really, really bothers me, but I, it, it really, it really bothers me. I don't think people understand like they, it feels, I think that they like try to say that as a compliment, but I'm just like, I just get bothered. So I actually started my blog um, December 2017. I was a junior, mm, oh wow, I'm no, I was a sophomore at Emory. I think, I, I don't know. I was a junior or sophomore. I can't remember, graduated in 2019 and all of a sudden I can't do math. I was a junior. I was a junior. Sorry, I struggled for like two minutes trying to figure that out. So um, I was a junior at Emory. And I was going through like a really, really bad, like depressive um, episode mm -hmm. and just like phase. And like, I couldn't really voice my words. And like, none of my friends, all my friends knew I was sad, but like, they didn't know why I was sad. And they didn't really understand what was going through my mind. And like, people like, people meet me and they read me and they think I'm just like some ex extremely extroverted person. And I was like, everybody has me all wrong. So I started writing because I, I wanted people to see me. So when people tell me that like my blog is like the most raw version of myself, I'm like, okay, you get it, but you don't get it because you still aren't seeing me fully, if that makes any sense. So to answer the other part of your question, I started like, well, I answered it a little bit, but I basically started writing because I had so many thoughts that I needed to like get out. And I just like, I'm not very articulate with my words, but like I can always write out what I'm saying. And I feel like I can relate to people really well. And also like just people didn't really expect like someone like me just based on like my persona and like how I like to have fun or how I like to be social and just like seem like I'm happy people didn't really expect like my writing like they just they were so con people were just like wow like everybody gets sad or like wow like I can yeah. now like voice my sadness as well so I think my writing also coincided at with the time where like people were trying to um promote mental health and like destigmatize depression so like that it was happening at, at the same time and i wasn't even do i wasn't even trying to ride that wave it was just like completely coincidental so i think it was very helpful um showing my voice at that time gotcha let's go back to that actually those comments that you feel when people say like oh you've been so you know revealing of your real self yeah and they be like damn when i met you or when you go out is that not my real self too? yeah 
And do you think it's also because, you know, being, being in a, I guess, conventionally attractive woman who wants to be proud of herself and her image as well, other people don't think that a woman like that can be so dynamic or just have you know thoughts period no i honestly i honestly think it was that which which really which annoyed me more because it also used to be like i just remember going back to like high school and just like high school college whatever like i like to read a lot everybody knows that i read so much and just like when i used to express my interest in literature people would just be like you like you read like i fortunately i got that less in college but i used to get that a lot and i just used to be like I hate when people like see you and then put all these labels onto you. I feel like it's so unfair. So I just feel like people were judging me just based off the things that I like to do or like maybe the things I said. And I'm just like, you don't know me. You know what I mean? Like me, me in person is also the same person who is writing those words. Like I don't have an on and off um, button, like I, like you said, I'm dynamic, like I'm so many different people and I showcase that in different ways. So. Mm, gotcha. Have you found any work, especially in authors that really speak to that experience and maybe even speak to the very specific black woman experience? I know you shouted out the hooks on your writing and I think recently on Twitter, Tony Morrison. Yes. I have I have a list of people because I didn't want to forget okay. I didn't want to forget right. anyone. Yes, yes, yes. Drop them. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I love Warson Shire, Naira Wahid, Chimamanda mm-hmm. Adichie, Jasmine Ward, um, Britt Bennett. I always pronounce her name so wrong, but Antozaki Shange, yeah, her. Um, mm. Sister Soldier, and then I have one white woman that I absolutely love, <laughs> and I like this. Is my this is my this is the person who like inspired me, which is so crazy because like my whole image is black womanhood now. But um, Sylvia Plath, like I love her writing. I love her writing. So I chose those people because like Sylvia Plath was like I read her when I was like thirteen. I don't know how I found her at thirteen years old, but like <laughs> like that was some depressing days for me to be reading her but i read her i read her um was it the bell jar no i didn't read that to like 20 actually i read her diaries so she has something Uh, called the unabridged journals of sylvia play plath and basically like they um her husband published her like raw diary like and i'm like this is so invasive but it was just it was so beautifully written and it was just like every thought that ever came to her head about like life, dating, depression, boys, like childhood, womanhood. And it was just like reading that as a teenage girl who was also like depressed was actually so helpful because I was like, I've never ever like been able to put my words down like this. Like I just didn't know how to do that. And I think she, I think that's, a person who really inspired me to start writing like really raw just because like she just mm. and then i read the bell jar much later in life so i was able to compare and i the bell jar is about her but like when you read when you read her diary and then you read the bell jar you're just like wow like i can't believe she was able to express her depression as well and so i'd be trying to mimic that when i write um <clears throat> and i chose the others sorry let me go look at my list I chose Warsan, 
and Nayira Wahid mm. because they write so beautifully. Like their poems are mm. so touching. And what Warson does is she writes a lot about what it's like to be a black Muslim from an immigrant family. Mm. So like our identities are like almost identical aside from the fact that like she's East African, my family's West African. She grew up in London, I think, and my family grew up in New York. But like the similarities mm. are so beautiful. And she like, when she writes about religion, I feel like if I was if I gave my mother some of her poems, she'd just she'd like she would gasp because it's like a Muslim woman shouldn't write these things. But because she does, I feel comfortable mm -hmm. in my identity. And mm -hmm. I chose the rest. Let's see. I chose Chimamanda just because I love all her books. She writes so beautifully, like I yeah. That's that's the only reason why I chose her. I I just love reading her books. I love Americana. I just love those books. You don't really see like these cute black love stories, even though that was a mess. But you don't really see that that much. <laughs> and lastly, let's see. Um, Entozaki Shange, she wrote the for color girls who are um, suicidal when the rainbow is not enough. She wrote that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a life-changing piece of work. Like, Tyler Perry made it a movie, and it was maybe the only good movie he's ever made. But, like, it's just... <laughs> I'm being so shady, and I want to be in the film industry. Like, I don't care, though. But, um... <laughs> he... I love that so no, much. I think what well, all these things have in common is just, like, telling these stories that are so are all, hard to write down. Said, and these stories that, like, people want to hide inside of them. Society, but, like, don't allow women when like you're a writer, have, you have that um, gift. And, like, you always piece, write these scary stories. As well as made out when he's inspired by those books. A lot mm -hmm. of them can touch on the relationship. I'm not a daughter and a mother. And yes. exactly like you said, after an immigrant experience, the daughter may be able to teach the mother something different about the world that we live in and giving her a different community as well. That's what I've always taken away from their works. Yeah, there's just, there's just so much pain in their voices, you know what I mean? But you can also see that like it's been healed or they're using their writing to heal. And that's something that I like to do. Yeah. So I just... I just love the honesty, and I'm so glad that they exist. And, you know, not only are you a writer, but you are also very transparent about stock portfolio and getting your money out. Yes. <laughs> and before we talk about that, I also wanted to get a sense of, you know, this dynamic or, let's use the word, versatility. Is this something like common in your friend group where you're very close circle of people who could be your mentors, friends, fellow teaching? What does that look like for you? I feel like, yes, it is common. I feel like I'm friends with a lot of women, mostly a few, a few men who have just like gone to, well, been given the privilege to go to like these elite universities. And then like it clicked for us that like we, we were happy to be in those spaces, but these are not the kind of people that we would like to be. Like, we don't want the corporate legacy. We just don't. And like, so many of my friends also come from like immigrant backgrounds and we have beat the odds. We have done everything. We have been the model immigrant. We have done what our parents have wanted mm -hmm. us to do. And then like adulthood hit, graduation hit. And we were just all like, this is not 
what we want to do anymore. So I'm very inspired by my friends because a lot of us have tried to like work regular jobs, I guess, or like corporate jobs, nine to fives. And it just is, it isn't for us. And I feel extremely inspired because my friends were the reasons why I was able to like take the leap and quit my job because we were all, we, we've all had so many conversations that look like, where do you want to be in the future? Like, what do you want to be doing in your thirties? Okay. Like, well, what you're doing now doesn't align with that. So you have to, you have to do something else. Like you just have to jump and take a risk, honestly. So I feel like I'm definitely surrounded by a lot of, um, like-minded individuals and I really like that um, that's a blessing to have and I also share believe you know not only us you know you Kyle as well right uh, everyone that I know that's pretty much all I think our worlds have collided thus far <laughs> hopefully right. we will collide more um, but exactly like you said people who are trying to be you know models people who want to still maybe want to pursue the corporate life for right now but they know their passion is about the art somehow or somehow community development right. and for right now they're imagining they can build a healthy platform right now with what they're doing but exactly by the time they turn 30 they're 40 they want to meet and reach a different set of goals that this right. life will not allow for um, and now that we've, we're talking about this, I wanted to get a sense of, do you have the discussions of like, hey, I need some help with this. How do we learn this? Or, hey, I see you working hard on this. Can you teach me something about this? Do those conversations happen as well? Um, just regarding my friends or what? Yeah, friends, you know, personal connections or your network. See, that's something I'm really bad at, to be honest, because I'm like, I don't know what kind of help that I need, which is the issue that's because like okay. so many of my friends like literally so many of my friends have been like let me pick up your blog as a project let me like help you grow like your reach and see how many people you can reach out to or talk or like just get my viewers up but I've, it's just mm -hmm. I don't know it just disinterests me you know like I just want everything to grow okay. I want everything to grow organically and New York is mm. very, very easy to network in, but like, okay. I'm trying to write books. I've written my, I've written a screenplay, and I feel like, um, okay. a few months from now, I might try to network in the film industry. But right now, for what I'm like trying to do, which is like write my freaking first book, I don't really, I don't really know how to network that. I feel like I'm still I have a big question mark. So, okay. I don't gotcha. know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did, you did. Maybe we can talk about the stock side of things. You know, how did that, how did how that, that happen? happen for you and how, how you're navigating that? Right. So I've had so many corporate internships, so many corporate jobs. <laughs> I sound so bored talking about it. <laughs> I I worked at two stock indexes, really. So um, my summer, my sophomore year, I worked at Dow Jones and Company. And so I would walk in the office and I would just see like the big, like all the stocks running up and down, had no idea what any of the numbers meant, like had no idea what they're talking about. Um, did, went to my desk job, did that all the time. Then they just used to like talk about the stock market a little bit. I kind of got interested. So I kind of did a little research and then I think after that, I was looking into investing. So I was playing around with Robinhood, which is like 
um, the beginners app mm -hmm. for investors. Like anybody, can, it's marketed to college students. So I started playing around with that. I feel like I made like one or two investments, and then I just like was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Closed it. Two summers later, graduated from college, got a job at S and P Global, which is the other like index, and I was like. Like, why does this keep happening? So I was working. <laughs> so I was working there, and I hated my job. I hated it. I like went to work every day, and I just like was so like mad to be there. I just hated being there every day. And then I went home, and I went to sleep, and I was like, "This can't be my first year out of college. Like, this is so torturous. It was. It was just so bad. I was. I was miserable, to be honest." So I was like, what am I gonna do? So I started looking for a job while I was still working there. And it was it was it was just like really hard because like it's really hard to get first of all, it's hard to get a like post grad job. That's first of all. And True. then like True. <laughs> then it's like then like once you have a job, if you don't stay there within a year, you might as well just take it off your resume because you're gonna look dumb applying to other companies. So I was like just struggling to find another another job. And then I was getting like so many interviews, but it was like the same type of job. And I was like, and I was like, I don't want to, I really don't want to do this. So I was really, really struggling. I was like, I have no idea what to do because like I have some savings, like I can pay my rent for a few months, but like, like you can't live in New York without a job. It's not sustainable. And I didn't want to move back home. So I was just like, I don't know what to do. But my boss really annoyed me, so I quit my job. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. And I was like, I was kind of like freaking out because I was like in final rounds of like jobs. So I was like, maybe I'll get something, but didn't work out in my favor. So my parents were like, go to Senegal for like two two weeks and just go since you don't, you're not working right now anyway. So I went to Senegal. I was really inspired when I was there. I just... I was just so inspired, like, I just wanted to write. And I, and when I went to Senegal, that's when it really hit me. I was like, I was like, I'm not going back to corporate America. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what I'm about to do, but I, I'm not going back. So I was just like, that's absolutely a no. Um, I came back to New York, still doing these interviews, even though I said I wasn't going to go back. And I was just like, this is then, <laughs> then the pandemic hit. So I was like... <laughs> I was like, it's clear. I'm clearly not supposed to have a job right now. Um, I was, I actually was speaking to Yasin a lot, and she was just like, "You don't want to work an office job, so why do you keep like applying to them?" And I had like a, I had like a childcare background from um, when I was working at Emory because that's all I used to do. So I was like, I'll go nanny. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so I was like, I'll nanny for this month in New York. Made so much money, but then obviously there was a pandemic, and I was like, I don't. I don't really want to be working through a pandemic. And then it, and then I was also like, I hate to sound like this, but I was just like, I graduated college. I can't be out here nanny. And like, I can't, I just like, I just, I feel that. I, <laughs> I, this can't be my life story. So like the, the, the plan originally was to like nanny and write. Cause I feel like I had a lot of time to do that, but I was just like, I don't know. I still, I still, I was happier than before, but I was still miserable because I was like, this is not working for me. Um, so I was like, I had left my apartment, lived with Yassine in Cal's room for a little bit because he wasn't there. Great, okay. great friends. Then I, then I moved back. <laughs> I moved back home in, I moved back home in May. Yes. End of April, May. Then I got really sick out of nowhere. 
So I was just like, whoa. I, I, then I was really confused because I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. My mom was like, you can't nanny because I, I got diagnosed with arthritis. So my mom was like, you can't, you can't nanny. You can barely, you can barely move right now. And it, I just, it was like a reality check because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I was like, I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm like going through like a phase where I'm like a bit disabled right now. Like, there's, there aren't many jobs that I can do anymore. And then one day I stumbled upon a rabbit hole on Twitter. Felt <laughs> with like it was like it was on like Juneteenth, and people were like, "We're gonna invest in these black stocks today." So I invested in a black stock. I made like three hundred dollars in thirty minutes, and I was like. Oh damn! Yeah, I was, I was, so I was like, whoa, like miracles do happen. So after that, after that happened, I started taking the stock market like very, very seriously. I started following all these gurus. I started watching videos. I started taking notes, and then like a week passed where I was just like, just like paying attention to the market and doing a lot of research and just like making small investments. And then a week passed and I started to like make money where it got to a point where I told my parents, so I was like, I don't, I'm not working anymore because like I found a sustainable way to like secure my income. And then I just got really, I got really addicted and really obsessed, like really, really quickly because it was just like, it was just, it became so fun. It became so fun to me to like be my own boss. And it was just like really weird that like something that I had run away from in the two jobs that I've worked came back to me and then now I could work for myself. So that's how I stumbled upon the stock market. I was very happy. Gotcha, gotcha. Can you talk about um, that obsession and addiction that you just said that you had real quick? Do you feel that, you know, things could go could have gone left real quick if you didn't you know, do your proper research and you didn't take your time and maybe invest at a slower rate or less smaller amounts? Yes, for sure. Like, um, I've been reading so many articles because so many people are actually day trading now. Like, it's the percentages are actually ridiculous. And there have been so many, like, fear-mongling articles where it's been, like, this person has lost all the money he's ever had. This person is in tremendous debt, like all this. And then there's this tragic story of this, like, I don't know how old he was. I think he was like 21 or something. Like he like committed suicide because he like um, invested in coke. That story he invested incorrectly and lost millions of dollars, but it was actually an error on the broker's website. So he like, he was down like a few thousand and stuff like that. Like stuff like that doesn't scare me just simply because, like, I feel like I've been, le- ironically, I've been learning how to be patient through the stock market. Like, I'm a very impatient person, but I've been learning that, like, patience is the only way to win. And it's so crazy because the statistic is, like, 90% of new traders fail. And I'm just, like, so determined to, like, not fail because, like, it feels like nothing else fits in my life path right now. Like, there's no job that I want to do. I don't, I'm okay now, but I don't want to be a nanny, like, so I feel like I've been trying to make this work for me, which is why I've been, like, so diligent about learning how to do it, and teaching others now, too. Okay, let's talk about that for a bit. What does that look like for you to be the teacher? It's something that I never thought I'd have any interest in, to be honest, but, like, I was tweeting about, like, my portfolio, and, like, just, like, 
exciting things and people kept hitting me up and I was and I at first I had I was like as soon as I master it I'm gonna teach all my friends just because I know so many of my friends are in like difficult financial spots so that's just something I wanted to do for them but like so many people who I like knew and some people some people who I kind of didn't know were like constant constantly reaching out to me and I like I just I don't know I it was it's so it was so exciting to me it is so exciting to me I felt compelled to say yes to be honest so i just created like a huge group chat on discord and i created like so many tabs and like added resources and i just like have made it clear that people can hit me up whenever they have questions and i basically just like do a bunch of research and post like really safe investments so it's been really rewarding because people have been like sending me like screenshots of them making money and like that's just so exciting to me because I feel like I'm like some days I'm like taking huge losses and people are like I you told me to do this and I made money I'm like I wish I followed my advice but I I enjoy it, it makes me happy to be honest so you know the last three or four minutes what you just said you know a combination of life circumstance this pandemic that we hit has really brought you to this new path where everything else didn't seem it worked, right? Where you were thinking at first, office jobs, I'd be stock indexes were not it whatsoever. And you just up and right, just quit. <laughs> and, you know, we thank God that it timed out perfectly where you were to return back to, as you said, another home of yours. Oh my God, be so inspired keep going and learn the lesson that actually I love that you just said patience is the only way to win. Now that we're, you know, very much still in this pandemic, most likely the United States will still be in this pandemic for yeah. a long time. <laughs> we have to reevaluate, you know, our relationships to work, which you've been doing. You quit. You said, no, I'm not doing this. Nope. Reevaluate our relationships with each other. I remember on socials you've said, you know, just letting people go if they're not with you or if they're not going to you know contact you as hard just let people be free um is there any other maybe part of your life you've been reflecting on or any other lesson yeah like um you just mentioned a huge one that i've been reflecting on in this time and it's just been like along with letting people go it's been like learning communication because like i'm not the best communicator um i've been learning that more and more just by like checking how I've been responding to people when I get upset and just like, I feel like the distance that this pandemic has created between me and certain friends has either like made the friendship evaporate completely or strengthened strengthen the friendship. So that's been really interesting. Um, additionally, I think, I'm trying to figure out what, I've, what else I've learned. I've, I've learned so much during this time, to be honest. Um, I feel like I formed a new relationship with my time. I spend like I spend so much time studying now, and I I feel like in college I never used to study. I skated through my degree, to be honest. Like, <laughs> just, wow. God bless. like no, I mean that in the in the bad way. So the opposite of skated. I oh no, I struggled through my degree. There we go. Okay, okay. Same, same, same. Yeah. I struggled through my degree, woke up <laughs> and made it. So, um I've just been focused a lot on what I actually love to do and to be honest, that's write and make money. <laughs> so I found two different All right. <laughs> I found two different avenues to do that. And the third is to help people and I've been doing all of that. And 
something else that I've been focused on is like rebuilding family ties. I feel like I had really strained relationships with my mother and father growing up. But when I went to Senegal, I really like learned the importance of community and I learned how important it is to like stay in contact with your family. And I don't think that people should stay in contact with like toxic family members. But if there's like something you can revive, like I think that's very important because most people want their parents in their lives, you know, like even even if like they're extremely like harmful people. And I think that there are ways to navigate these relationships so that you can get something positive out of it. So I've been learning how to do that and just like reshape um, the relationship with my mother and father. I love that. I'm still very much navigating my relationship with my parents, yeah. let alone our larger community. I was raised in a household where, you know, cool, 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 we're all Ethiopian, yes, support, and then be like, stay away, nah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and don't be worried about that at large. Um, just before we wrap up, I want to get a sense of, you know, our audience, we're trying to reach people who are still in, this, in school or maybe people just like us living their life post-grad. What would be one thing you'd want to say to people in our demographic about, you know, excellence, finding their path, everything we've talked about today? I feel like you should do the thing that's always in the back of your mind. Like that thing that you always think about that's your calling to be honest and i was always so afraid to share my writing because i didn't know it was good you know like i honestly didn't know i just used to write for me but you won't know if it's good unless you put it out there to be honest so you have to do the thing that's your calling and the thing that you always think about because i have like i'm trying to live life with less regrets which is why i quit my job to be honest um, I just remember in college, I, Emory has such a great creative writing program. Like we had um, Tahiri, the woman who wrote An American Marriage. We had her as a professor. And I like, and I was a political science major. Like I had no business being a political science major ever. Like I should have been, I should have been studying film or creative writing to be honest. So. You should really follow what you want to do. Don't let people tell you that there are no jobs out there, that you can't make money that way. It's just not true. It's just not true. And even me, like, I like, to, I tell people I'm a writer. Like, I now sometimes I tell people that I trade stocks too, but like, I just prefer to tell people I'm a writer and I'm still making money because there's so many ways. You shouldn't let anybody discourage you. Just find somebody who is doing what you want to do and reach out to them or something I did. I used to like research all my favorite writers and like look up like their life paths and like what they did to get where they wanted to get. And I would like jot down notes, like apply to this fellowship or do this or stuff like that. Like, I just feel like we have one life and everybody needs to be doing what they want to do as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Right, very true. Well, y'all heard it here first. Live a life with less regrets. Quit <laughs> that job if you don't like that job. Um, but be ready to, you know, stay in your purpose, stay in your lane, stay in a source of inspiration. And for Jara, that has been, you know, being able to go to Senegal for her, that's been being in a great network of people with this versatility, being a writer, speaking your truth, and getting your money up. Period. <laughs> and all work can exist. <laughs> ja, is there any place that, you know, any social, any handles you want to drop real quick? 
I'm gonna just drop my Twitter because I stay deleting my Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Again, my, my Twitter is call her Jara. So call her D I A R A. And you already dropped my blog, so. Yes, yes, yes. MDK says follow those two outlets to hear more of what Jara has to say. And with that, y'all, this is another episode of The Court. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for more content and more interviews like this.